I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach, and today we are going to learn about all things our ego. All right, now our ego is something that is so misunderstood. You know, it's so easy for us to say, "Oh, that person's egoistic." And whenever we start talking about our ego, we always think about it in this negative sense of, you know, bad, good, etc. So today with us, we have for a second time Andrea Lowell, who's going to be taking us through understanding our ego. Now we've done another episode on understanding self mastery. So these will be a few concepts from there that we'll be borrowing. So if you haven't heard that episode, make sure you do listen to that one. Andrea, welcome to the Happy Coach Podcast. I'm so happy to be here, Ashton. I am, as you probably know by now, your biggest fan. <laughs> and I love ta- I love talking with you. I'm so excited. We're going to talk about the ego because, like you said, it is so misunderstood. And you and I, I know, we'll hash it out. Fantastic. Okay, so right out of the box, ego. What does it mean? Just like it's three letters. The, what do they mean? It's the way that we think about ourselves and should be, but it's not like we put on a hat or go, I I got my ego on. It's something running the show of our life that we really need to have an awareness of. So my ego can be healthy. It can be based on my merits. Oh, I'm a good person. Oh, you know, I'm good in my marriage. I'm of service. I have a healthy ego. Or it can be like, Yo, I I hung out with, you know, a bunch of celebrities the other day and I did a bunch of drugs. No one caught me. So it's like, it's this sense of worthiness that drives my actions. And it's really playing nonstop behind the scenes. So it comes down to a lot of my self-value. And a lot of times we don't realize that we're valuing things that aren't going to take us very far in life. So I always say we spend the first, you know, better part of our life building up this ego. And that's where we really build up kind of not the ego we want to live the rest of our life with, because we're at a limited consciousness. We're immature. We're children. You know, we're figuring it out. We're 15, 16, you know, 25 years old. And at that point, what we value is partying. Girls, guys, you know, shopping, expensive Gucci labels. So that's what's driving our actions, our thoughts, and our reactions. More importantly, our reactions. So Mm. once we start to come to an understanding that there's something behind the scenes and it is very different than the soul, because we know the soul really is the captain of the ship, but I can't listen to the whispers of the soul when the ego is screaming, right? But it's, you know, that silent scream that loves to run wild with our life and our purpose and our cash and (laughs) everything else. So really it's just this, it's kind of that Wizard of Oz experience. There's something behind the curtain And most people don't even know it's there till they take the yellow brick road and they find it. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Fantastic. I love it. So what is the first way in which you start understanding this ego? What's the first step? The first concept of ego awareness is actually no awareness at all. It's kind of that kid I just talked about, the archetype of the athlete. And I don't mean that in a bad way. This is um, something that is used when you study self-mastery. It really means all you care about is looks and girls and achievements and this and that. The level one, the first stage is egocentric non-awareness. 
right? It's running the show. It's running my life rampant. And I identify with this. I've been there. And guess what? It like, it feels good. Uh, Like being all up in your ego is great. But then when you get to a point in your life where that's all you have, it doesn't feel so great. And that's a lot of times what sparks people's spiritual awakenings. They're so sick of just letting their ego run the show, but it's because they don't know it's running the show. So that's really what that unawareness is. It's something's happening in my life. I have no idea what it is. I want to do better, but I can't. Everything that seems to happen in life is about you. You know what I mean? Like there's no rational conversation. Everything's an argument. Everything's a betrayal. Everything is so much bigger than it needs to be because there's no soul in the equation. It's the head, the head, the head, but it's not an intellectual version of the head. It's that tiny egoic voice just screaming, I have to be right. I have to be right. So when the soul is running the show, and I I know we'll get to this a little later on in our conversation, the soul only wants peace. The soul does not care about being right. The ego cares about being right. So someone that's stuck in ego-centered awareness, they can't hear you. When you're saying to them the truth, when you're pouring your soul out, when you're being vulnerable, they go, oh, I didn't say that. I didn't do that. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't even mention you talking about me. You said I, no, no, no. It's this, the egocentric, non-ego where it's literally this loop in their mind going me, 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 and nothing is even involving them. So it's really, it's it's selfishness, truly. It's selfishness and self-centeredness. And there's nothing to be ashamed of when we're at the stage because I really liken it to immaturity, right? It's when you get to midlife and you're still operating this way. We should really uh, have a conversation and address some things. Um, but I, I really just liken it to immaturity. So like I said, we build the first part of our life kind of building this up becoming who we are. You know, we're independent of our parents now. And I've built up this persona, this ego, and I have my own rules and my own reactions and my own, you know, passions and this and that. But is it healthy? So then once we start going on with life and start, you know, vibrationally finding our tribe and our friends and our this, we start realizing I might need to break some of these behaviors down. I might need to stop being so selfish and so self-centered. And, uh, it's not always an easy nut to crack. <laughs> because it's your identity, right? It is who right. you are at that right. stage in time, right? It is all that you've created up till this point of time that you're suddenly realizing, wait, is this working for me? And the scary thing about being at this stage is that your identity is tied up. That means that you feel very alone as well at a certain stage because it's always you versus the world around you. It is not you and the world around you. It's not us together it is me versus you me versus you and that's where the entire conversation about you know why are you blaming me why are you blaming me comes in and you realize this when you're at a stage of loneliness so some of us might be passing through this right now realizing that maybe there's something more and hence the next stage is important some of us might not even realize what we are talking about right now and that's all right because you're, you're at this first stage of understanding the ego and that's perfect as well 
Everything is perfect. I want the listeners to know either everything is divine or nothing is divine. So wherever you are in your journey at this moment, if you're listening to me and Ashton right now, it's on purpose. Everything is perfect. We all have a unique journey and story, you know, our story of enlightenment, our our story of our own egos. Trust me, mine was crazy. And uh, it had to be that way. It had to be that way. And just like you said, Ashton, when I'm blaming everyone and I'm taking all this energy on me against the world type of inner belief and limiting beliefs, it's exhausting. Exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. It's spiritually exhausting if there is a, a sense of spirituality at this point. And that's a lot of times what brings people to pop and crack and break down their ego. They just say, I can't keep doing this. I don't have the energy to keep fighting everyone. And we start to realize maybe it's not them. Maybe it's me. The common denominator, I'm having an argument with with my mom. No one gets along with me at work. I have road rage. You know, what's the common denominator? You. Because guess what? I don't have, no one ever flips me off on the road. I don't argue with my mom. Like, don't get me wrong. We disagree. (laughs) But if you're having a problem with everyone, you're having a problem with everyone. It's you. So a lot of times it has to just come to a place of frustration where people start to realize this. Like, how come other people are, because also I should say this before I go to that, the world of comparison. Oh, for the non-ego aware, everything is comparative. I'm doing this because they did that. Oh, they got that car. I'm going to get that car. Oh, they sold this and got that commission. I'm going to now try to beat them. Instead of being self-motivated, instead of doing what brings them joy, they run their life comparing themselves to everyone else. And we know comparison is the thief of joy. Let's be real. So there's that futility and that I can't get ahead because guess what? You're focusing on everyone else. So when we're at this stage, we're very much trapped in the, the grass is greener on the other side, but we're failing to realize we're not watering our own lawn. Like, mm. why don't I start watering my own grass? Why don't I start digging up those nasty roots that are invasive species? Why don't I plant some roses? You know, why don't I bloom into a beautiful garden? So really, it's totally normal and it's totally fine for people to be in stage one. Because guess what? You can't get to stage two unless you experience stage one. Unless, you know, you're a a born saint or a a God incarnate, which is awesome. We should get them on the show. But that's not everyone's, right? But that's not everyone's (laughs) path. You know, like if I could walk on water, I would, but it's the path of the human to have these first stages in this ego unawareness so that we can start to become aware of it because that's the spiritual journey. That's the path for everyone. I don't know anyone who hasn't had to thoroughly break down their ego to to find a place of inner peace. Correct. Absolutely. And I'm so going to use that quote about um, the grass is green on the other side because you're not watering your own lawn. Brilliant. Absolutely. Hits it on the head. So once you understand and are aware of this ego, what happens next? So that's the second stage is ego awareness. Okay. All right. I'm starting to notice some stuff here. Ooh, maybe it is me. So the second stage is pretty simple. It's really just observation, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to be higher levels of awareness like you and I may possess, but At this level of stage two of ego awareness, I can go within. 
I can meditate and start to receive answers if my intention is clear, right? I'm not trying to run the show. Like <laughs> I'm going to go in and get all the answers about my ego. Why aren't I getting any answers about my ego? <laughs> we talked about this last show, but I can also choose with my mind and my conscious awareness to start observing myself. Oh, maybe I am cutting people off in the road and then getting mad at them. Maybe I'm actually trying to teach people on the road a lesson a little too much. Maybe I'm getting road rage issues because I'm tailgating people because I'm trying to teach them a lesson. Oh man, ooh, it's me. So that's where ego stage two is. It's not that we can do anything with it yet, but we start to become aware of it. I'm no longer in denial or delusion. You know, ego stage one is a lot about denial and delusion. I have nothing to do with it. It's y'all. I'm not happy because of you, or I am happy because of you. It's not really anything me, authentically me. So at this stage, we can start to really observe where our egos running the show. So there's not really too much to say about stage two, It's except for that we start to get that awareness and we start to realize maybe the problem is me. It's stage three where I call it the ego eagle. I'm sure there's like an official word for it or phrase for it, but it's now I can start. I've practiced. I've done the work of stage two. Okay. I'm, I'm taking note of this. I actually want to change. I actually have willingness right? And I know you're a huge proponent of taking action. I've started to take the action in phase two of ego awareness to start paying attention to where my ego is running the show and where it's really making me unhappy. And through that practice of phase two, now I can fly high. I see it all. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't even have to practice this. I just see it like an eagle flying high in the sky, looking down at everything and choosing, hmm, do I want to eat that little uh, rodent down there? Maybe I want to go nest over there. Maybe I'm going to take a cruise over the ocean over there. It has autonomy at this phase. So phase one and two, we really don't have any autonomy. And really that just means being self-governing, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the ego might be running the show, but I can't really do anything about it yet. Through the work of phase two, we can start putting it into actual practice in phase three and start making the choice. Now, the thing with phase three is this ego eagle that likes to fly high and observe and witness it all. I still like to pander to the ego. I still love to swoop down sometimes and just get that little boost of false pride, false modesty, whatever it may be. Uh, <laughs> And that's okay. That's part of the process. So through this process, when I choose to swoop down and maybe do some lower vibratory things to boost my ego, maybe I want to have a one night stand just to prove I can or, you know, whatever it might may be. I start to feel the vibrational difference, a literal tangible difference in my personal frequency, in my soul. And I don't like the difference. I don't like the contrast. When I'm acting from lower self, lower vibes, lower intentions, it actually feels like crap. But when I'm acting through integrity, brotherly love, 
kindness, acceptance, detachment. Oh, that feels really good. So now we can see and feel because now we're um, through autonomy, picking and choosing what behaviors we want to participate in, what actions we want to take. And more importantly, what I teach my clients that's so critical, that's so often overlooked is our reactions to people, places, and things. You can really tell what ego stage someone is in by their reaction. Give someone some bad news and see how they act, right? Give someone some good news and see how they react. Um, someone who is ego is running the show, you know, an ego run riot. Um, it's not going to be trustworthy. I can't, I can't trust the reactions of someone who's unaware of their ego. Now, I think it's very important to mention, we do not ever eradicate the ego. We don't get, you can't get rid of the ego. It's not something I can transcend above. I can just simply not allow it to rule my life, right? So a lot of, I think when people first start waking up spiritually, or they start dipping their toe in self-mastery or other practices of, you know, self-betterment and self-help and whatever. They really think I got to get rid of this ego. I just got to denounce it. What do I do? No, we have to just stop letting it rule our life, right? I'm not going to get rid of it. Our ego can be very healthy, right? And like you were saying, there's so many misconceptions of what the ego is. The ego is not synonymous with confidence. And I'll give you my ego, for example. My ego wants me to be so small. My ego wants me to be afraid to talk to you. My ego doesn't want to show up for a podcast as my authentic self or without a script. My ego, you know, wants me to people please. My ego doesn't want me to have any boundaries. My ego wants me to be a doormat and an emotional punching bag. And guess what? I'm really good at that. But after I've done, you know, the awareness after I blasted through stage one, where I was unaware, started to become aware in stage two and started observing it. Then in stage three, when I started picking and choosing, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to people please this group of girls right now. I don't really like them, but I want to fit in. And I feel like I'm shrinking inside. I feel like I'm screaming with my mouth closed. Like that is not a good vibration. But then I show up somewhere else as me, no costume. I'm not trying to fit in. I'm just being an Andrea. And I feel it's, don't get me wrong. It's scary. It's scary, but that's how we build courage. That's how we build character. I show up on me and it feels so good. And people start actually liking and respecting me. And I'm, I'm cultivating true friendships. That feels like a trillion bucks, you know, and my soul is singing. I go home and I'm happy. And I'm like, we did it. (laughs) Me and my ego, we did it. You know? So I never get rid of it. It's almost like a litmus test. My ego is my litmus test. And so now I am a hundred percent unabashedly self-confident. I will never diminish myself in fear that someone thinks I'm egotistical. I know I'm awesome. I know I'm smart. I know I'm compassionate. I know I show up for people. And I say that with full humility. And that's what we can't really understand until we embody that ourselves. Um, But I wish that upon everyone. It's so beautiful. And uh, then we can talk about step four, if you're ready. Fantastic. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side. 
Welcome back. All right, let's jump into the conversation. Let's go for it. Okay, so stage four. So one, the egocentric unawareness running the show. Two, that ego awareness that we start to notice. Okay, I'm aware of it. Three, the ego eagle. I'm flying. I see it all. I'm picking and choosing. I'm starting to learn what I like, what I don't like, what's vibrationally good for me. What is authentic to me? What's inauthentic to me? And four is self-mastery. Four is there is no desire to pander to the ego like there was in stage three. So stage three, which still wants to dabble in some lower vibration kudos, some ego boost, some, again, I'll use that example on the road because everyone can identify with it. I'm just going to cut that MF off and show him a lesson. You know what? I'm actually going to drive up and look at him and see if he looks as stupid as he drives. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yes, love it. We're all guilty, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sharing my experience. Mm -hmm. The self-mastered has no desire. The self-mastered doesn't care at all. The self-mastered only cares that they get home safely and that no one is harmed on the way, right? So I remember when I had this great realization of like, oh my God, my ego is not running the show. And also I was flying so high. I was manifesting left and right because I was just like, so, oh my God, this new me is amazing. And someone was being real evil on the road. I'm talking like crazy driving, right? And I remember thinking, oh, maybe they just got fired or Maybe their wife is giving birth in the back seat and they're trying to get to an emergency room. It's like, and I go, whoa, am I looking through the karmic filter of compassion and acceptance right now? Who is this? Because I was looking through filters of, I hate you, you're stupid. Like, how dare you think that you can go that much over the speed limit and not use your blinker? Like, it was just the ego has to impose my opinion and my judgment. The soul doesn't have judgment. The soul accepts. It says everyone is exactly where they need to be for their own journey, their own process, and it's none of my business. I don't care why you're driving fast. And guess what? It doesn't affect me. Why do I need to jump in to everyone's business? Because the ego has nothing else going on but interjection. The ego has nothing else on but judgment because judgment feels good to the ego. Even if it's an ego like mine that likes to be small and really diminished, you know, I will have intellectual superiority. And that's why I might be like, are they as, are they as, you know, dumb looking as they drive? Because there (laughs) are, we all have our areas of superiority and inferiority. And we're all going to have different manifestations of those characteristics. And I use, like I said, the ego is a litmus test. I use the road as the biggest litmus test. I can always tell when I'm slipping back into old behaviors because even though I'm a self-mastery coach, that does not mean I'm perfect. I do not walk on water as, as we've you know discussed here. I love slips. I love it when I slip up because it's a great reminder of how bad it feels to slip up. When I go into lower frequencies, when I yell at my husband, when I, you know, look at that driver next to me, it actually feels horrible in my heart space. It does not feel good. Now, when I didn't have the contrast of living through my heart, living through the soul, living without judgment, living in full acceptance, I didn't know how icky it felt. 
I didn't realize that I felt horrible, horrible perpetually day in, day out. And I would love if every single person who listens to this show can give themselves a chance to feel as beautiful as they are designed to feel, to open up their heart. And, you know, something you don't know about me, a lot of people don't know about me. Me and my husband, we are avid backpackers. We just, we just go out. And a lot of times we have an in-destination, but we'll take the road less traveled. We like it when we run into bears and things. We're, we're those people. Mm -hmm. And I've been through some sticky situations. I've, you know, thought I was going to have to get air rescued. I, I mean, a few times I'm saying this to illustrate, I've been through some harrowing journeys on foot in my life. The longest and most arduous journey I have ever taken, but the most rewarding that I have ever taken is the 16 inches down from my head to my heart. It was the most important. And it is, I wish it on everyone. If we could teach ourselves to stop letting judgment and fear and the need to be right rule our life and our reactions and our relationships and to put our money where our mouth is and start practicing detachment, really, truly understanding what unconditional love means. People will say to me, oh, you don't unconditionally love so-and-so. Let's say just like political figure, we'll call him Mr. X. I'm like, I don't like him at all. I don't like him, but I have nothing but love for him because I see him as a spiritual being. And guess what? When I did things that were really depraved, When I did things that were real immoral, immature, brought shame upon my family, guess what? I was spiritually sick at that point. I was spiritually unwell. So why am I going to judge someone who also probably just isn't balanced? It's none of my business. I have love for everyone. And I hope through my unconditional love that they maybe find the joy and the peace that I find. So it's really hard for people to wrap their head around. How can you love without conditions? Well, it's just that. There's no conditions on my love. There might be conditions on my like marriage, for example, because people will get this. Like if you cheat on me, we're going to break up. That's a condition on my marriage. But it doesn't mean I'm going to love that man any less. Just means I have to let him go, right? So I don't know why I started talking about that, but it all relates to the ego. If, again, if I need to be right, then I'm putting conditions on everything. So it's truly living through detachment. And I think detachment is a kind of like a ninja status spiritual practice. And usually we don't start practicing it until we've been through a whole world of pain. Uh, so I don't wish it on everyone, but I, uh, I hope that we can start to do that. And through stage four of the different ego stages, it really is detachment, detachment from other people, detachment for needing to know, detachment from needing to be right. Detachment from superimposing myself into every situation and making it about me. Yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the 16 inch journey because sure. I love that analogy. And um, before that, I want to share something. So I was, I was listening to a lot of Ramdas and um, recently, and his definition of love is very interesting. So I thought I'd share it with you and you might like it. I am so grabbing the way a pen. Defines, <laughs> <laughs> so the way he defines love is the ability to be in the presence of somebody else. So Mm. just being in the presence of that person. So it doesn't mean that you have to be in the same vicinity or in front of the person, but being present with that person can be a million miles away. And 
because of that, you can have love for everything and everyone because you just mm. have to learn to be present with each of the people, things, objects, anything. And I think that was such a nice overall encompassing definition of love because that's something that we all keep playing with. I love that. And I can't be present if my ego's running the show because my ego won't even give you a chance. Mm-hmm. Right? If it's I all have, about me, right? Right. How if I have about judgments, you? yeah, if I have judgments about you or I think you're this way or I want to think you're this way, I will never be present with you. I won't even give you the opportunity. So I 100% agree with that. I think that is so beautiful. I've never heard that before. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. My pleasure. Okay, the next part is when you move from your head to your heart, normally people think that heart is equal to emotions. So you stop Mm. thinking in the intellectual level and you start living through emotions. But that is not what you describe. Heart is something else. What does living through the heart look like or mean? If it's not emotions. The emotions are a tool. The emotions are a signal. Emotions are a messenger system. The emotions are an ally of the soul. So when I'm having any spell of emotions, it's my soul's way of communicating with me. If I'm crying tears of joy, it's confirmation that I'm in bliss, baby. If I'm crying tears of sorrow, it's a message that something is out of balance Mm -hmm. and that I need to recenter to my default, which is gratitude and bliss. The heart is not a pump. The heart is not a machine. The heart is very holistic. The heart is this beautiful energy center, this chakra, this everything. When we speak in a scientific way, we know that what it radiates on an energetic level, the field is much more profound than brain waves. It can go out. I want to say it's 18 feet. Don't quote me on that. I haven't looked it up in a while, but it's a force field. And it is going to be a magnet for everything you desire. It truly is what we should be operating from. The heart, when I speak of, I really don't speak of it as an organ that, you know, moves oxygen and nutrients to our, you know, different body parts and body systems. It is through what we operate. You will feel when your heart begins to expand. It can feel a little heavy, but not in a bad way. Not like an elephant sitting on your chest. Heavy like in a full way. And when you start to feel yourself operating from here, it's a whole new reality. Literally, you're in a different world. And so few people can even identify with it. So it's a place that we operate from. It's an energy center. It's almost like a level up. So people talk about, oh, the third dimension, the fifth dimension. To me, this is the third dimension. This is the fifth dimension. If I have to give an example that people might identify with, my heart's what runs the show. And I've just been programmed through society, my parents or family, school, fear-mongering, media, to think that my head is the ultimate. My head is what's running the show. Oh no, when I put that down and realize I'm running things through the heart and my brain is a tool the heart uses to analyze, compute and communicate the the yearnings and the truth of the soul, that's when things are rocking and rolling. The heart and the soul are, to me, one and the same. We know like the soul maybe doesn't live in a certain part of our body. I don't know. I don't know where the science is on that. But if Andrea's soul had to live somewhere, I'd tell you she lives right here. 
I just, uh, this, this is why we hold our chest. This is why, I mean, it's everything. So the heart is not an organ, my friends. It's, um, it's life. It's love. And you'll know when you're operating through it because it feels so damn good. And that's why when people say, oh, your energy speaks before you do. Oh, I've, you got good vibes. It's because you're radiating love for everyone else. So, and that's not the emotional love like we spoke of. It's not, I'm not in love with you. I have love. I am love. And guess what? I can't radiate what's not inside of me. So if I have love inside of me, that's what's going to come out. If I have anger inside of me, that's what's going to come out. And it's, it's a weaker force field, but it's a strong force field. So just know you can always talk to your heart. You can always go back to your heart. And if um, your heart is broken in some way, you know, you can, you can start working to heal it. The, one of the best tools that I give my clients, and this is through my own experience, is really talking to different parts of our body. And if you're having a heartache, you know, emotionally, or you feel like your heart center is not open enough, talk to it. Talk to it. Thank it for carrying you this whole time and apologize to it for the ignorance that you had that your ego was running the show and you didn't give it a chance and then make amends to it. Say, I'm willing to do what it takes. Show me. I'll follow. Like have a conversation with this place because it's communicating with you all day long. Maybe we should try communicating back. Yeah, we're just not picking up the signals or we're hashing no. it up, right? No. Absolutely. No. Yeah. Andrea, this was a fantastic discussion on understanding our ego and going beyond it. Thank you so much for coming and sharing this with us. Andrea, how can people connect with you? How can people continue this conversation with you? Well, they can go to my website, andrealowell.com. But also, as I mentioned on another podcast with you, my Instagram page is my jam. I love it. I'm on it all the time. It's the I Am Everything Project, which is also the name of my one-on-one mentorship program, the I Am Everything Project. And you can DM me there. You can hit up my link tree where all my goodies are and uh, also book sessions with me there. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming. Lots of gratitude to you. Oh, so much gratitude. I can't wait to do it again. Yay! Now, if you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are at IBM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am at Ashton Doc on Twitter and Instagram. We have a brand new habit coaching online course, quizzes, videos and a lot more on the website awesome180.com so check it out now